yeah, so Marcus, well, thanks for joining us uh, on Halftime Chat. Um, one of the things that over the past 18 months, what we've noticed is since Versus and Pastor Mike, there's been a, a lot of resurgence for people loving their artists from the 90s and 80s. And, um, but one of the things that we focus on is, is actually the journeys of the artists, the actual how you got into music, how you made your way through and of course, you're part of High Five, but it's about your story. So um, we have got an international audience, so we always like to start uh, from the very beginning. Um, where, where were you sort of born and raised? Uh, I was born and raised in Waco, Texas. Yeah, a uh, small town in Texas and, um, you know, Central Texas. So the music scene here was rather small, definitely, but... Um, you know, it has a lot, a lot of great guys who were um, doing music back then. And, you know, R&B was the era that was really prominent at the time. So uh, I guess my journey kind of started more so with, you know, uh, we definitely learned, you know, music in church. We sang in church as kids. Uh, and, and that was kind of our introduction to music. But my dad, he was a DJ. Okay. So um, I was able to hear, you know, all sorts of music um, from his experience. And I was a young kid, probably about five or six, around his DJing days. And um, he would allow me to just listen to music and play music, you know, when he was um, setting up. So that's really probably more so of, you know, what brought me into the style of music that I like. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, when we, because I moved to America in 92 and Waco, I always remember David Koresh and the, and the, and the that's, and Waco. So that's how I, your town was made famous. But being from the middle of Texas as a young child, was music just, you saying DJ with dad, church, was it ever a dream that it would become a career or was it more so just something you passed for fun? Um, yeah, I would say for fun now. You know, the thing was with in my particular situation now, my, my uncle, he was in a, a R&B group. They had signed a, ma a major record deal in the mid 80s. So I, I was able to kind of witness his experience and, and how things went. And uh, I guess I recall, you know, when I saw that it was, you know, uh, attainable, you know, it was attainable that someone that close to me was able to, you know, be successful in it. And it made me believe, okay, there is opportunity here. And that, that still kind of was like, and, you know, I, I was into sports a lot and I thought football would be, you know, would take me to college and, and hopefully professional at, at some point. But um, yes, to see my uncle, you know, being successful and, and making money from it. Oh. It definitely, yeah, it definitely influenced me. So um, always knowing Tony Thompson growing up and seeing how talented he was, he was always in competition with my uncle's group. Band. Wow. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's kind of how the story started. And, and Tony Thompson was always the victor in every competition. Wow. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. So what happened was um, they had they would have uh, talent shows here in, in Waco, and I think a couple years in a row, Tony Tony won them. My uncle's band, they always competed, came in second, but they were a couple years older than us, and so they pursued their career a lot stronger and were able to tie down a record deal. So, you know, with them getting that. Um, that access. Once they signed, they came back and got Tony and formed the rest of us around the group. Yeah. Oh, okay. What was the name of your uncle's group? Uh, it's called Adore. And the thing is, they never released the music. Um, their music never got released. They had they signed a major deal. They were signed to Jive Records before us. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of some things happened contractually and they were never able to um, finish the deal. So the, uh, one of the guys in the group, he actually was a writer and a producer for us, William Walton. He wrote um, the song that we got to deal with, our demo, uh, I Know Love. So he wrote and produced that song and he wrote several other songs for the first and second album. Okay. So yeah, that that's kind of how we started from Waco. And I mean, once Jive connected us with Teddy Riley, then the story was history from there. <laughs> yeah, but before we get to the, but it's um, because because we we still want to find out then how did your singing develop from you know from listening to your dad? How did you your singing develop before you met Tony? Right. Well, you know, and that's that's an interesting question. Like I um I never really considered myself a strong vocalist, you know, and um, you know, like we, we would sing around the house and a lot of it just kind of once they asked me to be in the group, um, we, we would rehearse a lot and just kind of, you know, develop harmonies with each other. So um I guess to answer that question, like I never was really I never felt I was a strong vocalist. I could, you know. Definitely do backgrounds. My my tone was baritone, and uh, okay. I just was able to hold the low note, and, you know, and fill in the harmonies. Yeah. Okay, but then whose idea was it to f actually form, you know, and and recruit you into the group? Well, it was William Walton initially um, finalized it, but Russell. Uh, so initially, there were only three members. It was Tony Thompson. Toriano Easy and Russell Neal, they were three members that they started shopping first. And then um, things weren't going well. I guess they shopped into a few labels, not really interested. So they came back to the table and added Roger Clark and myself. And that's how we became high five. You know, but when they said added, so what were you doing when, when you saw them do? Did you think, oh, I wish I could join them or were you just focused on football and uh, college. Yeah, I, I was I was focused on football, sports that way. And um, I was all, like I said, I was always around because my uncle was really pivotal in Adora, which is the group, you know, who was signed first. So I was always around and, um, you know, they would ask for my input on certain things. Not that it mattered, but, you know, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was just always there, you know, kind of witnessing their, their experience. So, um, you know, and my uncle, he was saying, you know, man, you know, if, if you're interested, you know, we would like you to try out for it. And I remember Russell kind of really just priming me, man, you know, you fit the look, 
took an image, you know, we, we liked your personality as well. And the thing was, we all grew up together. Like, oh, you I knew, knew them? Yeah, yeah, we all knew each other, like just from school and playing sports together. Um, I played basketball with Roger, uh, basketball with Russell in, in TV League. Uh, base, Tony played baseball, and we, we used to compete on, in baseball in the Eastern Little League. So we all knew each other growing up. It was a really close family knit. So, you know, um, I think that when they were choosing members, they just wanted to choose people that were, they were comfortable with and they felt kind of fit the image at the time. Yeah, yeah but the, you said, but were you doing any singing prior to this though? Were you singing consistently? Not really, not really, no. Yeah, so that's the thing. It was kind of like a really new experience for me. And, um, you know, so like I said, I was in the studio when they would record, you know, just kind of seeing how the process works, but I wasn't really doing a lot of singing, you know. I mean, obviously I was with them, you know, and sometimes we would like things and we would repeat what we heard, but yeah, I never really tried it professionally, per se. Wow. Mm -hmm. But then did you feel like you wanted to, because if you really into your sports, well, how was that decision to say I have to leave sports to go the music route? Well, that's an interesting question. So I did. I um, I encountered an injury. Next uh, uh, grade. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really bad injury. So, you know, they told me if you keep playing, you know, it, it could become worse or not. So that kind of deterred me from the sports idea. And, um, you know, it was, it was a struggle for me because I, I still continue to play. But, um, you know, as things seemed prominent with the music, I started gearing towards that more. Yeah. What about your family, your family, your parents? What were their thoughts about leaving the sports and then doing the music? Uh, it, it was a struggle. It really was a struggle because, um, you know, my parents obviously at the time, you know, didn't think that it was going, you know, they didn't see the, the um, opportunity in it. It's like, you know, we want you to have a stable future. So, yeah. you know, we, we kind of had some ups and downs back and forth with it. And um, once it came time to put, you know, the ink on the paper, I pretty much had to beg and tell them, hey, this is what I, <laughs> this is what I really want to do. And so... God's will and God's blessing, it went that way. Okay. Now, we hear, I mean, I've, I've probably interviewed 50 90s and 80s R acts, and we talk about when you say put pen to paper. Now, you've got an uncle who was in a group signed to Jive, had contractual issues. Did I explain to you guys what you were signing to make sure that you're okay? <laughs> well, you know... Um... This was the term that I recall. You know, there's there's a standard deal that everybody's offered, and <laughs> we got the standard deal. And you know, obviously, thirty years later, the standard deal is never in the artist's benefit. But, um, <laughs> you know, luckily, here's one thing: when you are experiencing success, you have an opportunity to renegotiate. Okay. And so that, that was one thing that kind of worked in our favor. But, um, you know, overall, we did, we got the standard deal, which nobody likes as an artist. And we just kind of had to work through it and, and you know, develop a better deal for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're signing, I, and, and I, 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 
you know, most of us have seen, you know, from New Edition as a kid, you see them and you're like, well, I've got a chance. Do you even bother reading? Do you just say, where do I sign? We're going to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to realize I was 15, 16. Those words were incomprehensible to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and the thing is, you hire an attorney and, um, you know, you try to understand what you can. But (laughs) I'll say this, you know, as a teenager and just having that opportunity, we were just excited to be able to be doing something, right? You know, and we figured the money will just work itself out. But um, yeah, you know, I I would encourage anybody at this time and age, you know, make sure you know what you're reading, what you're getting yourself into. And, you know, times have definitely changed now where artists have a lot of more control over, you know, their music and how their careers develop. So yeah. You know, one thing I'll say is we were, um, <laughs> you know, we were a test product back then. And, and like, to be honest, we were Jive's first R&B artist ever released. You know, they had okay. rap group. They had um, videos. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they, they had a few solo R&B acts, you know, like uh, Billy Ocean. I think they yep. had Tyler Collins. So, though, you know, but they never dealt with a group, you know, and so it was a the first experience for us as well as the company. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking the best way to explain it is they saw it as, you know, a trial run as okay. well. Mm-hmm. So when you go back to those early days with, with the five of you, who were you modeling yourselves after? Uh, definitely New Edition. We, okay. I mean, we, we were, you know, we looked up to New Edition. Um, obviously, we liked Jackson 5. Um, and even more current groups, like we, we definitely love Troop, um, you know, Full Force. There were like, a, you know, a couple of artists that were late 80s. Yeah. To, to us. So yeah. we looked up to those guys and, and that's who we mined our style after. Yeah, I mean, goodness, when you, you know, I, I just interviewed John John from, uh, John John Harold from Troop. And, and I told him that when I was in Nigeria, I actually thought Troop were dancers who could sing because mm. all we knew about was just the way they just destroy mm. the dance floor, then they sing as well. Um, but coming up, did you think, wow, how did you decide to have your own lane? Because you were much younger than them when you guys came out. So at that age, I'm thinking, you know, 15, 16, who, there went, was anyone else at that, around your age that was coming out? Um. Now, the boys, the boys, well, you know, they were a three-man group. Yeah, the boys were there. We definitely looked up to them. We liked them. Uh, Tevin Campbell was another, you know. Oh, yes. Really, you know, having some success at the time. So, um, I mean, you know, and those were artists that we, like, definitely Tony. Tony, he loved Tevin Campbell. You know, he listened to Tevin all the time. But um, so what happened was with our name, you know, initially when it was just the three, they were called Urban Youth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, when, when the five of us got together, we figured, hey, let's try something different. But um, so the way it developed is we were at a photo shoot. And after each, you know, scene or each take, we would give, give each other high fives, you know, just uh-huh. having really good energy. And so the manager at the time, he says, hey, what do you guys think about the name High Five? And it's like, Wow, you know, because yeah. it was really natural. It was just a, you know, response that we had because we were enjoying ourselves. We were, you know, taking photos and, 
after each shot, we would be like, so he says, hey, let's let's try that. And it, it stuck with us. So high five it is. <laughs> now, because you guys grew up together, you knew each other from, how was the, did you, were you guys good friends? Because that's one thing that we, you know, we, it's interesting to see as young kids, you know, now you're signed. Did you still remain friends in those very early days? Be honest, we really we did, it, you know, and I mean, like, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, um, we all knew each other prior to the music, so that was really a, a benefit for us. And um, so the one thing is, Roderick, his um, well, it's kind of like a family. I would just say that, you know, his his um his sister was married to the guy who produced us, okay. so they were kind of like bro, you know, brother-in-laws mm. and. We all knew each other, so you know. And my uncle was really was best friends with the guy who put you know, who produced us. So we really were tight knit, and um, even through the years, you know, as any relationship or friendship, you have your rough moments. But overall, all of us are still pretty close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you once Jive says, okay, we'll give you. We've heard your demo. We're going to give you a shot. Did they say, let's bring you to New York to start working on the album? Or what, what was the situation? Yeah, that was pretty much it, yeah. So we um, we recorded the majority of the songs in New York. Uh, we did a few here in Waco and uh, some in Oklahoma. Yeah. How was it like moving to go to New York? Had, had you been before? Oh, no, that had never been. So that was a culture shock for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, explain, because... When I introduced um, interviewed Black, Basic Black, they came from Georgia, um, Columbus, Georgia, and they said New York was almost like moving to Mars. So South, South Southerners moving to New York was like night and day. But for you, what was it really like coming from Waco? Uh, um, that, you know, that could definitely be a, a, a valid description. But um, <laughs> it was, you know, you hear all these things, you see all these things. And I guess like, my uncle and you know his group had traveled there before so i was able to hear some of their stories and maybe have an insight but um just getting there it was nothing like i expected you know <laughs> you you know you have a million people in one place and when the term brick city is realized that's what it is it's the brick city you know coming from here you get grass you got trees oh you know, yeah yeah animals you don't see any of that in, in <laughs> And I mean, the, the traffic, you know, taxis. So it was just a really, it was a culture shock. And, um, you know, us being from the South, they could pick us out. <laughs> These guys are not from here. But, um, you know, I, we, 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 I became to like New York City. You know, we would travel there so much and did so much business there that um, I developed a lot of relationships there. Um, and even, you know, now I call some of them family. When I go there, I can go to their home to eat. So okay. it, it's definitely a difference. But my first experience, <laughs> I was not sure how to expect it. <laughs> so when did you guys realize, had you known about Teddy Riley before <clears throat> you yes, worked yes, with him? Yes. Um, Guy, so yeah, I, you know, failed to mention Guy. We definitely listened to Guy and Keith Sweat. You know, I'll be sure all of those guys were really um successful and at the top of the game at the moment so um hearing that teddy riley was going to work on our project just really really boosted our ego because um you know it was we never never expected that 
And so um, the tracks he gave us, obviously, were well worth it, right? <laughs> yeah, Just Can't Handle It and um, Kissing Game. But what was the first one you worked on? Uh, just Can't Handle It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, now, who's, who's idea, when it came to singing out, because you, you, you mentioned Tony was such an amazing talent that he was winning the competition. Was it always agreed that Tony sings and everyone else backs him up? Or was it... Did you ever then think, okay, I'm actually getting better. I should sing a little bit. I no, I honestly, I never felt like that. Um, maybe there were times where you know other members may have felt you know that way. I never did. Um, I just kind of my thought process was with that 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 type of talent, it works best for us, you know, to get the best um, product possible, and you know, Tony could deliver it. So I think that. You know, just the process we had, let him lead, we sing the backs, everything is great, you know, that way. And, um, you know, Toriano, easily the guy from Oklahoma, he was a really strong lead himself. He just had a, you know, a nice baritone. And at the time, um, I think that they didn't really know what direction to take his voice in, you know. So Can't Wait Another Minute was a really great um, song to show his vocal talent on. But a lot of other songs, I think people were just not ready to hear a young guy with such a deep voice. Okay. So, um, you know, I I always respected Tone to just be the lead singer and do, you know, the best vocals possible. And, you know, maybe down the road, if a song was, you know, written for us, maybe it would have worked. So, but, but to answer your question, I never really thought of, you know, being a second or third lead. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what? It's when I, it's interesting because when Johnny joined New Edition for the Heartbreak album, I, I didn't warm to Johnny. I, th- I thought he was still in Rob's <laughs> position. He was like, who's this guy? You know, you know I just thought that he, why is he sitting, standing in front and he was singing a lot of the leads. And, and I didn't really warm to him because I just thought Ralph was the guy and stuff. So I can imagine because Tony... What made Tony so special? Because you, you, you've said, you know, because as I said, we've all admired his charisma and his voice, but from seeing him up close, what did you think made him so special? And I just, you know, I mean, you had to see him sing in person. Like, that was one thing that, I, I mean, just I remember um, attending two of the talent shows that they were competing in, right? And this is a true story. Uh, my uncle and them, they were really talented nice vocalist, you know, they wrote their songs and all, but when they competed against Tony, it was just a different competition. So um, the second time that Tony beat them, oh, they were pretty upset about it, you know, and so we, we got home after that performance and they were kind of having a discussion. And so I, I uh, told the guy, you know, he's like, well, what do you think? And I said, hey, man, you guys did great. You know, I said, you guys, you guys did good. And Tony did, you know, he was great. Like, you know, I just had to be honest with them. And, you know, they kind of looked at me like, uh, but I was giving them, you know, my, my honest God truth. So the thing was just to see Tony perform at, you know, 14, 15 and be able to, you know, do what he did live. It, it was just an honor to be able to witness it. And I always like admired him before he was, we were successful. Like he wow. was just a great vocalist. And, um, you know, anytime, even 
prior to us, you know, recording. If we could, hey, Tony, just sing for us, you know. And, and I just loved it, you know. We would wow. always get him to sing. Yeah, so he was, he, he had a, a spark about him and he knew his vocals. Mm-hmm. Wow. So now you're in the studio with Teddy doing Just Can't Handle It. I mean, what was it like working? I know there was Dave, Dave, uh, Dave West and, and, and Bernard Bell uh, who were, normally work with him, but what was it like being in the studio? Did you, in a different level, you know, working with him? Well, you know, I, the best way I could explain it is uh, we were so inexperienced. You know, we were just like, hey, whatever you say, you know. <laughs> and um, for the most part, like, you know, Tony would go in and they were so, you know, pleased with his vocal ability that, you know, I think anything we did behind that was kind of like just a filler. But um, <laughs> it was a great experience, you know, just to be in their presence and to see how they you know, produce and work music. So uh, my memories are really vague because I was probably more starstruck, you know, <laughs> present and um, just really happy that, you know, that he could even uh, accept working on our project, Yeah. So when Just Can't Handle It comes out, were you surprised how successful it became a hit on the radio? <laughs> You know, that's the retrospective question because, I've, yeah, obviously I was, you know, but then when you think about it, like, that was, I mean, that was Teddy, like, he poured his heart into it, you know, the New Jack Swing era was really uh, new, fresh, and um, that track was amazing, and the crazy part is, we always thought Just Can't Handle It was better than Kissing Baby, you know, yeah. just as an overall song, because you know, the way the intro came in and it shows Tony doing the, you know, the vocal, um, oh my God, my words are just counting. Like how he, acapella, he did the vocal yeah. acapella, you know, so that was like, wow, wow, wow. And um, Kissing Game to us, you know, it was a good song, but we never thought, wow, this will be bigger than, than just Kissing <laughs> And, you know, obviously it being our first single and we really enjoyed the song. I think that, you know, we figured that would be the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, as I, as I said, I, I, so it coming out in 1990, I was still, I was still going to high school in Nigeria and, and I remember um, just can't handle it being very big out there um, because it reminded us of him and me from today. It, and it, it, but it was different. So it didn't sound like a, a copycat stuff, it, but it was really, really powerful track and it was you know really that 1990 albums were really powerful i think kissing game was very similar to like you know when fresh prince came out with summertime it was one of those feel-good songs and it 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 it, it was it had a different vibe chinese's i like your smile it felt like one of those songs that could cross over much easier than just can't handle it but I can imagine at the time you're recording, you're not thinking about it. But as fans, you know, coming out in that time, did it shock you how how much that getting to number one on the Billboard charts? I mean, did that shock you? Oh, that was a shock, man. I mean, and so by then, you know, Kissing Game, it seemed, I mean, our lives had changed by then. You know, we were constantly on the road promoting, touring, performing. And it happened so fast, you know, that I just, you know, it's like, wow, this is the life, you know. But, I mean, Kissing Game took us to places we never thought, to be honest. Wow. 
Yeah. yeah. Now, before we talk a little bit more about the success of that, how was being on the road and the performing? How did you, coming from a small town, adapt to being on stage in front of people shouting and screaming? <laughs> uh, you know, initially there was all, you know, we, we all had stage fright. But um, <laughs> I think I just, you know, I remember like our very first performance in Waco, Texas. Um, it was at the... Uh, a homecoming kind of thing. Well, it was the fair, the local fair here. It's called the um, Heart of Texas Fair. So um, first first performance. Um, the crazy part was our manager had gotten us a live band that we never rehearsed with. Oh, goodness. And so, yeah, it was an interesting performance. But um, the good thing was we, we were scheduled for two performances that night. I think one was at like a seven. And then one was like a nine or 10. And so the, the way it happened, the local um, high school, the football stadium was right next to the fairground. So most people would go to the football game and then come to the fair afterwards. Yeah. So their thinking was, you know, we would do a second performance so that the people who left the football game could still have an opportunity. So the first performance we did with the, the live band didn't go very well. Wow. <laughs> so we um, we told the manager, hey, we don't want the band on the second set. <laughs> we would rather do tracks because we were just kind of more comfortable with performing with, you know, the tracks. And um, it went great. It went really great. Like this, the crowd accepted us and they appreciated it. And we felt like we could do this. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. The What was your parents' reaction when you know, you're coming out with um, Just Can't Handle It and, and, and Kissing Game, the success. How did they, you know, they react? Well, obviously now they're proud, you know, <laughs> things are working in our favor, you know. So, yes, they were really supportive. And, um, you know, I, you have to love parents because we were minors, you know, they had to be involved in every yeah. decision. So that was a whole other aspect, thinking about, you know, five minors, five parents every time something happened. And it was definitely costly on our budget because, you know, you have to move 10 people every time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you uh, know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. A lot of people don't think about it. So, I mean, eventually we um, we kind of got to a point where, hey, once, um, you know, we, we were able to have a chaperone, someone who knew us all and could just kind of represent one parent in their best interest. And we did that for a while. And then once one member turned 18, we considered him the chaperone. <laughs> okay. Now, did and someone I, explain to you that as this is coming out of the cost of this, uh, you know, out in the... <laughs> well, they, they said it, but, you know, it doesn't, you don't receive it properly until you get your first statement saying, hey, <laughs> how much you spent? What? You know, so, I mean, but but it's, it's, um, you know, you have to abide by the law. You cannot, mm. you know, work with minors without supervision. Yeah. So we had to go through surrogate court and all of that being minor. Wow. And, um, yeah, that was something else that was really new to us, never knew anything about it. So, um, you know, I mean, I think it worked out in our favor. But obviously, you know, with the success and, you know, everything we had going, we wanted our freedom. So once one member turned 18, it, it really was a good thing for us. <laughs> How did it change you then? Because the success from the, 
you know, kind of growing up in a small town and, you know, very close to your family. Now you're number one artist in the country. I mean, that's not easy. <clears throat> How did it change you personally? Um, I don't know. You know, I, people still tell me to this day, right? Like, especially my close friends, you know, and you're really humble, you know, you, you kind of stay grounded. And I felt like I did. And, and the one thing about me is, you know, when we would get off the road, come home to my family, I would always ask them, hey, you know, don't treat me like that guy. You know, treat me as the person that y'all know and raised. And um, it really benefited me, long, you know, in the long run, because even after a while, I just would ask, hey, let's not discuss what happens on the road. You know, not anything negative, but I just want to be normal, you know, when I'm around y'all. I don't want to feel like it's always about, you know, high-fiving the music and things of that nature. So, you know, my my friends kind of adapted to the way I wanted to be treated, and it helped me stay grounded, you know. So, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, I will say this, and there were times when, you know, I had to adjust my ego and, hey, you know, I'm, I'm mad from high five, don't do that. So, <laughs> but, but for the most part, though, you know, I think I balanced it pretty well. Okay. Um, so, Kissing Game, number one song in, in the country, what does that do for you guys? Oh, man. I'll say this, man. It was, you know, the, I don't even know if there's a word for it, but I'll tell you what, the attention we got, you know, I mean, you know, everybody wants a piece of it, you know, at that moment. So one thing we were comfortable with is we stayed working. We were on the road, we promoted, you know, we toured. And that's how we knew just how to stay busy, you know, making money was what we were doing at that time. So, I mean, we, we went to Japan, they went to Africa, you know, we were all over promoting Kissing Game. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. So that, that was just the greatest feeling, you know, and to hit number one and not, re, you know, not really expect it or realize it. Still to this day, I look at my gold records and it's like, wow, you know, number one in the country. Everybody knows this song. Yeah. For that mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people didn't realize Teddy did it as well because <clears throat> he was more used to the, I just, the just can't handle it was more stuff. So uh, a lot of people were like, wow, we didn't know he, he, he did that. So Jives, it's strange because you, you had the big album, does well, goes platinum. And then it's almost as if they try to get you back in right away. Um, who's competing with you guys on the charts? I mean, I mean, I know we can look at the charts, but when you looked around, who do you think, okay, we need to, we're, we're now competing with this particular types of group for the same type of audience? Uh, I think one group that comes to mind was obviously Boys to Men, yeah. Yeah, they they had came in and they really really had some great songs so you know i think we met them and, and they were really down there as guys but i think we kind of always had this underlying unspoken competition right okay and um you know they did go on to be a really really great you know artist for sure so i think okay. it was one and you know there were several you know that would come around like he toured when we first toured, we toured with Truth, we toured with Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, Riff? You know, Riff, yeah, Riff was around. Um, we didn't really cross paths with them as much at the time. But like I said, I think Truth was like really one of our big influences as well as competition. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know, so Boys to Men was 
definitely one of the groups I recall being, you know, competition at that time. Because mm-hmm. when you notice, when you look at Boys to Men, so their first album was very much like your first album, very um, New Jack and, and, and R&B. Their second album, they moved them to become more adult contemporary, you know, getting Babyface and Jimmy and Terry and doing more sort of ballads and sort of songs that can cross over. <clears throat> when you did your second album, one, I was surprised Teddy wasn't on there, but then R. Kelly was still, um, you know, he was emerging as, you know, Jive's new artist and stuff. Whose direction was it to think, let's keep you guys with R&B and not capitalize on Kissing Game type of crossover songs? Right. Um... I guess I would definitely say the company, you know, the a and the company. I know Ann Carly, you know, she was, um, I think, VP at the time. So she really was hands-on with us. Uh, Kenny Mason, Linda Simmons, those were, you know, executives at the company who kind of helped develop. And um, I recall we were still promoting, you know, the first album. I think we were probably on, you know, Mary Mary may have been a single, you know, third or fourth single by then, but they introduced us to R. Kelly and they signed him and we were in Chicago and um, we hung out with Rob, you know, had a really good vibe with him. And so he's like, I'm going to write some good songs for you guys. I think we met in California a couple of months, maybe a couple of weeks later. And, you know, he started with quality time and then he just kind of built from there. So uh, I, I think too, like we really, to be honest, we still didn't, um, we didn't look at ourselves as pop artists, you know, even yeah. still. It's kind of like, you know, we wanted to stick to our people, our culture, you know, and and, and Tony's style was really, you know, soulful. That's what the way yeah. it's all. And so, you know, we, we just kind of stayed in that lane, but um, it's funny you say it because there are still people who say, Hey, y'all, y'all are a pop group, you know, and, and that's a compliment now. Yeah. You know, it really is a compliment because uh, a lot of the arenas we played, like um, we did Disney, you know, wow. for two years in a row. So that to me is really, um, you know, a stamp of approval that you're accepted by the pop genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you think about it, you guys were clean cuts and you were, the, you were different from Jodeci because when they came about, they almost became bad boys of R&B and the way they dressed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when they did come out, um, did you did it change what you guys thought you may have to do? Or did, did it, how did that influence you at all? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we, we were kind of always just flipping back and forth. And um, I do remember a time where, you know, we, we wanted to be, you know, kind of more Jodeci style as a parent, you know, and hey guys, no, no, that's not what we're gonna do, you know. And we didn't realize at the time that it's best to have your own identity, you know. So we did, we kind of went through several phases, but, you know, we realized, hey, that is what our fans expect of us, you know, to be the clean cut. And, And our songs obviously were about, you know, genuine, yeah. relationships and things like that. It wasn't just necessarily geared towards, you know, the sex and, and things of that nature. So, you know, looking back now, I think that was a benefit of ours just being like a genuine, you know, uh, reaction between a, a you know, male and a female. Yeah. 
um, how much influence did you have um, as a group and even personally with the direction of the kind of songs you're doing did, did, and even been have been able to contribute as a writer? Not really, not really. Like we, we never, you know, we would listen to songs and kind of just give feedback and input. But um, one good thing I could say is that, you know, the guy, William Larson, who was in my, you know, the group was my uncle. He stayed around and, you know, he was always kind of essential in, in uh, helping us listen to songs and, he, you know, he should help us choose songs and he would always co-write on some things. So, you know, I think his influence as well kind of helped us stay in that love song, you know, relationship type of um, yeah. format. Yeah. Did you know about publishing and writing and how how long-term beneficial it was to be able to <laughs> I did not did not you know you don't learn that part until it's almost too late so <laughs> we never we never wrote or produced on any of our music wow did you guys know how to write or stuff um like we you know we thought we did you know sometimes we would hey you know let's change this word or you know fix something what we thought felt better but I, ne I never really dealt with writing much then. You know, it wasn't until later on that I kind of developed a style for just, you know, putting my words on paper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's strange because some people tell you that labels like people who don't know much because the more you know, the less they're likely to want to deal with you because it's more like you're going to ask too many questions. And that's the sad thing that you sign up and no one tells you that if you don't sing your own songs, you, you don't, yeah. in the long run, benefit from that. When did it all sure. catch up to you that, hey, what's going on? We need to publishing and stuff. Was it after your third or fourth album? Or what was yeah, yeah. Like So once we left Jive and, you know, we signed with Giant Records, we kind of started trying to negotiate in our favor for things. And um, we did. I think we got a decent deal. But um, unfortunately, the, the uh, label didn't last long. So yeah. you know, they released um, Tony's solo project, but never got around to the group's project. Yeah. Okay, so before we get, because, you know, your, your second album, um, Keep It Going, had the R. Kelly stuff. Quality Time was really powerful. You know, it, especially, I'm thinking 92, I'd already moved to Alabama by the time going to college. And it was, you know, it, it was... One of the, it was you know, really you know one of the songs that we were we were, we were hit playing quite a lot, um, and it was a very different vibe from the first album. Um, mm -hmm. Then, you know, and then you turn, then you you come up with Faithful. I mean, and I look at it and thinking from 1990 to 93, you're just releasing three albums. Was Jive looking to say let's just capitalize as much as possible? What was the? Because normally it's like a two and a half year gap before they release an album, but that was. Three albums in, in, in three years. Right. Well, I do know that um, I think the third album was more like an exit program for us because by then we were already looking, you know, to, to move elsewhere. And so it was like we had, um, we signed a three album deal with them. Okay. So now it's like, hey, you're going to give us a third album before you leave. So, you know, not necessarily rush, but they wanted to make sure it happened. So we didn't even really promote the second album. The second as, you know, The second album as oh. well as we wanted to. And, and not to mention, you know, we had a lot of personal things going on. Um, 
the accident happened. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the members decided he didn't want to be a part anymore. So we were dealing with, you know, a lot of internal issues. So I think the company just saw that as, you know, things are going down here. Let's go ahead and, and get this third album done, you know, so we can be prepared for whatever comes. So, uh, you know, in, in the third album, by then, I think that, you know, we were all just kind of dealing with, you know, the changes that came from being in the business and, you know, trying to figure out as, you know, young adults, how do we move forward? Mm-hmm. Not long after you guys really leave Jive, they sign in sync and Backstreet Boys and Britney and they become the biggest label at the time. What would have been different if you guys are still around with the backing with those guys? I mean, you know, hopefully we would have been involved, you know, with just a piece of their success. And, you know, I think just being able to have had an opportunity to collaborate with any of those artists, you know, would have sustained us, you know, a lot better. But um, I think the best way I could put it is their experience from working with us allowed them to be able to, you know, do what they did for instance and Backstreet and obviously yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was a positive thing that came from dealing with us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we do, because I, I did see the uh, song um, for you guys, and, and um, which was, you know, you know, the car accident, the, the, the charges and stuff. And in the midst of coming up as a group and, and the success and having all those things, how much do you think that derailed the progression of the group, especially when 90s R&B started to become more prominent oh yeah it, it was it was a major factor i mean you know because that's one thing like we discussed in the beginning um <clears throat> you know we really had good chemistry you know with each other as people so when those things happen you know it, it definitely derails your focus you know and um you know there were times when we didn't know what the next move was because we didn't have five members to, you know, to even support um, the group. And, you know, just dealing with the loss of a member and not knowing what the future holds for him personally, you know, that that became a heavy burden for us. And then, um, you know, a lot of the other things that happened, you know, Tony was getting a lot of solo artist offers, you know, at the time because of the uncertainty. So those things played a really big role and, you know, a lot of decisions we made in, you know, so by 94, we were kind of just all over the place. And me personally, I wanted to take a step back, you know, just, hey guys, I, I am about ready to, you know, to just be at home with my family so that I can regroup mentally okay. and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'm not doing this, I'm a, I'm, I'm a psychotherapist um, working with under 19s. And, and one of the things that's interesting to find out is how much mentally, um, you know, we talked about anxiety when you're on the stage and have to overcome that, but how much did it play on you, just the, the success and everything happening on just you, especially coming from a being like an introvert? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely introvert. So, um, you know, when, when I go into my cave, I stay in my cave, you know, and I shut a lot of people out and 
you know, I regret some of it, but but at the same time, I have realized, you know, as I matured, that sometimes those things are best for you, you know, so that you can sustain your well-being, you know, especially mental, you know, mental health is, is really an issue that a lot of people don't talk about. But, um, I mean, you can only imagine what success has done to so many people. I mean, you think about Prince Michael Jackson. Yeah. You know, those people who experienced great success and the way, you know, the careers of their life ended, success can be a heavy burden. So um, I think, like I say, for me, it was just to come home and be around genuine people who are not looking to, you know, get anything from you, you know, as a person or as an artist, what have you. So it did, it, it would put me in my shell and I do, you know, I was pretty in sync with my spirituality, you know, that kind of helped me stay balanced as well. It, did you have, and, and, and you know, it's not until now that, you know, we have Simone Biles talking about she had mental health, so she stopped at the Olympics and we've, we've had Naomi Osaka. So it's like now people can, you know, respect if an athlete or an artist says they need time off Back then, did you feel like if you were struggling with with the way things are emotionally that you could say, look, I need time off to emotionally, mentally get myself together? Or did you have to feel, be, especially Texas, you know, Texas are always strong and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that they um, necessarily promoted you having, you know, making that decision. But um you know, and a lot of times you don't realize, it, you know, until it happens that, hey, I need some space, you know, and, and you, you think about you with these people every day in and out, you know, you deal with different emotions and I mean, just five guys in general, you know, who are just developing, you know, as people, we, you know, there were times when we clash and we'd have bad days and, you know, don't want to be around each other. So, you know, I would, um, you know, for, for early on, we would always room, you know, we'd be two guys to a room, but as we got older, we'd have our own room. And I remember times, hey, guys, don't call me. I'm not answering the door, you know. And it was never personal. It's just that's what I felt like. I just needed my space, you know, so that I could regroup. And, you know, I did develop an anxiety of being around crowds over time. And even still to this day, sometimes, you know, I, it'll happen to me. And I'm like, I just take my, you know, my, my free time and, and kind of regroup and get my mind right. Mm -hmm. Now, when you leave Jive and is it after you left Jive, the Giant, you guys signed with Giant, but Tony's the first to come out or what was the situation? Um, <clears throat> I mean, that it was just that, you know, they, they decided that they wanted to release the Tony Thompson album first. And they told us, hey, you know, we'll start working on a high five when we finish this. And it never happened. So, you know, that was a really depressing moment for us. And, you know, it was reality. Like, nobody was trying to sign high five. And, you know, Tony started dealing with, you know, his own personal situation. So at that point, it was really us on a hiatus that we didn't realize was as permanent as it was. So when you've had a number one song and you're a recording artist, what does a hiatus, and 
and you're not writing your own tracks and you're dependent on tour money as an income, when you're on hiatus, what do you do to survive? Uh, well, I mean, hopefully you were thinking ahead, you know, and you try to put some money back. And that was kind of, you know, my focus. And I mean, after a while, you know, when you realize you're not getting back on, you have to find other means of income. So, you know, eventually, and especially when I had kids, you know, I had a child, hey, I got to find me a job, you know, and, wow. and I start working. So it eventually got to that point, but it, it took me some time to transition and to, you know, just, hey, if the music industry is not paying my bills, I got to find a way to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. So how hard was that to, you know, to, to, what's the, what was the most, was it hard facing the family to say, yeah, I need to get a job, or was it hard to even people saying, Marcus, you're from High Five. How hard was that? Oh, man, that's, you know, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know, you have to face the music. You know, that's the term to say. But, um, you know, it was difficult. And, and I, in any situation, you know, you have to be honest with yourself first, you know. And then I think that was what kind of still, you know, kept me, kept me stable is, hey, man, you know, instead of sitting at home crying about things, I have to get up and make things happen, you know. And so we did, um, you know, I guess maybe a lot of people don't know, but we, we, without Tony, we signed to another production company in New York, and we moved to New York from 96 until 99. And we, we still tried to record music, we tried to shop music, and it just didn't work in our favor. So, you know, we, we did continue to try to, you know, make things happen with the group and, um, a, you know, a few other members that we tried to work with didn't really have any success. So by 99, 2000, it's time to, you know, be a grown up and, you know, look at yourself as, you know, a regular person again. Mm -hmm. So you moved back to, to Wake to Texas? Correct, correct, yeah. And so Tony um, comes out with his solo, um, his solo, his solo album. Um, it had some of the biggest producers around. Um, I'm surprised it didn't go gold. I, I don't think Giant knew how to market all the album properly. Um, yeah, you know, we were expecting big things from it, but it, it didn't do as well as, as it should. Did did when he was doing going through all that? Did you lose contact with him and was just like, no, no, I like like now Tony and I really did have a great relationship during those times. As a matter of fact, you know, after that, uh, he signed with Bad Boy. You know, oh um, yes, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so with the expectations of you know just transforming or transitioning into you know that whole Bad Boy family. Um, we, we hung out, we would hang out with Puffy, you know, and just, you know, his, his career was still progressing, even though the Giant album didn't do as well. So, you know, we still had big things or big expectations for him. Now, once he signed with Bad Boy and things didn't turn out the way, that's when a lot of his depression really kicked in. Yeah. Now, I mean, and we talk about it now, and I and I do wonder. Now, October is Mental Health um, Awareness Week, October fifteenth. Do you do you guys who who talks to who about what they're go, what you're going through? Did, is he able to talk to you? Are you able to talk about? Yeah, um, I mean, 
you know, at that time, once again, we, we're still inexperienced with how, and, and I don't think anyone's ever prepared, you know, to how do you deal with success and how do you deal with the declining of success? So, you know, at that point, um, I, I still didn't know the severity of, you know, what happened between the bad boy situation and everything. And I heard, you know, we're hearing rumors about certain things. So I wasn't really sure and just never really asked, you know, and um, we would see, you know, we would cross paths and we would talk and he was, you know, still trying to make, make it seem like everything was good. But, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. And, no, no, no. So finally, you know, it kind of just came out, you know, you're not with bad boy anymore. And I mean, like I said, he took that really bad. You know, I think he was dealing with his own struggles. So he finally, you know, had got with some people and he tried this new group thing, you know, uh, the returns. And um, I think that's when we kind of just, you know, really had stopped dealing with each other personally at that point, you know. And I wasn't really supportive of it, you know, but a lot of things I was going through at the time, I didn't really want to be a part of it, you know. And he was trying to change things as well. So didn't go well. Um, ended up having to take him to court behind, you know, just using the name without permission. And things got ugly between us all. But we were able to, um, you know, to speak and just kind of find an understanding with it all. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, the name, who, 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 who took ownership of it, of High Five? Well, at that time, the guy, William Walton, still owned it. Okay. So, you know, um, and then, you know, the story behind him is, is one within itself, but his son, who took over his legacy, owned it at the time. And, and the thing was, um, I was all for Tony doing his thing, but, you know, you can't replace me and not expect me to just allow it to happen, you know. And that was my thinking on it. So I'm, I was always in support of him. You know, you could do high five music whenever you want, but you can't have other people singing with you when I'm a part of it. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, we, we got control. We got control at that point, and we just didn't allow him to use it as he wished. Yeah. Well, why do you think he didn't reach out to you guys to say, let's get the, boy, the get bang back together? Well, the truth is he did. Like, we had a discussion about it. But the thing was, the people he would, you know, who were, he were allowing to be in control, they kind of had their own direction. And I wasn't necessarily in agreement to the way they were, um, you know, uh, approaching it. So, you know, I reached out to the other guys. Hey, hey, what do y'all think? What do you think? And the truth was Tony kind of wanted more control and he wanted to replace certain people. And I wasn't in agreement with that. Yeah. So <clears throat> after the falling out, you guys would you were you guys able to reconcile after the league court battle? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and but then did you have plans to go back on the road um, after the court battle, or were you still like, let me do my nine to five and um 
Oh yeah. Well, I mean, initially we just kind of had the discussion of, you know, hey, let's let's get everybody, let's try to get the originals who want to be involved back together. You know, let's try to record some music and then see where it goes from there. And uh, it was like we, um, you know, we, we had several conversations. Things seemed to have been going well. And, you know, once again, uh, you know, Tony was still kind of dealing with his own thing. And God, you know, God had a different direction at that point, but um, literally. So, um, you know, just generally speaking, I know that, you know, uh, he and Tristan, you know, were not on on good terms. And so we finally got a chance to allow them to clear the air. And uh, they spent some time together. We all hung out, you know, we had several discussions. And two or three weeks later, we went home to be with, you know, his maker. So I just, you know, I think God had another plan and it just took us time to process everything. Yeah, how, how was, I mean, you know, we, we, we you know, lost, um, and, you know, I told you about my father passing away just last Christmas. So loss is really a challenge in, in for all of us. How mm -hmm. was it for yourself, especially, because um, some, <clears throat> some of you know, as like from a kid, um, did you feel like you mm -hmm. could have been done more to, to help? Or? Uh, of course, you always feel that way. You know, you always kind of think back, like, what could I have done? I mean, I was devastated, you know, and with his loss, I completely did not want to discuss high five. You know, like I was done, done. I don't want to be, you know, just disconnect me with it. You know, I, you know, I felt like, you know, Tony was a great friend of mine, and we were really the only two original members who were consistent through it all. You know, we lost Tori, we lost Pooh, we lost Russell, and so you know, we we balanced it as much as we could. So. You know, when, when when Tony passed, it was just kind of like, wow, here I am, the only original left. And, you know, everybody that I was with from the beginning is not here. And so I did, I just disconnected myself, you know, from the world concerning high five. But, um, I mean, you know, like you say, you, you think about all the things you could have, should have, would have done. One thing I will say that gives me joy is, I was able to tell him, you know, man, I love you. You know, I still love you before he passed. And I feel like he received it and he knows it. So that gives me pleasure. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's, it's always, um, you know, you mentioned it being a spiritual person and you never know, you know, plans uh, of, of the maker and stuff. But it's always, um, some talents at you know some without amount of talents you always think they could have offered more but um you know but for yourself <clears throat> after Tony passed you guys then decide you know a couple of years later let's do how let's come back together let's start and re re record and and uh, and get back into music what why 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 then what what's what, What's was the yeah. spark? <clears throat> um, so I think, um, well, I know that like Tristan, you know, he, he had desires of doing his solo thing. And so that's kind of where, you know, he was at. And um, he was recording music and started his own production company, you know, and he had some things going for him. And he, you know, would ask me, hey, guy, you know, would you come and support me? 
and, and you know, I had no problem supporting him, but I was still kind of unstable. So I'm just like, I don't know how to feel, you know, being around the music business without Tony. You know, I just did not know how to feel. So um, finally, you know, I went out with him and a few of his performances, uh, some of his recording sessions. And, you know, things were starting to feel a little more normal. You know, obviously the conversation about Tony was so sensitive to me. Like, I was just emotional anytime I was around somebody who knew him, you know. Yeah. But um, I'll never forget, uh, I think we were in Connecticut. He, he had done a song, uh, a performance promoting one of his singles. And um, it was a diehard fan who social media had started by then. <laughs> This fan was um, always in touch with me, you know, hey, 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 you ever around? And so it was just interesting that they were in this area and when he was performing, they came to the show and, and we had like a heartfelt conversation and this fan like, you know, was there a high five fan from day one. So they had said to me, you know, I would really like to see how you guys would do it without Tony. And it just resonated with me. And I'm like, wow, you know, to hear this from someone who, you know, genuinely believes in us because I probably didn't believe it could happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we stayed in touch for a while. You know, I meant what I said. I would like to see y'all do it. And, you know, after hearing that conversation, really just praying on it and, you know, hey, so what if it's two or three other people who really believe that, you know, it's possible for us? So, you know, Tristan and I, we kind of put our heads together and we thought about, you know, what's the best way to approach it. And it was not easy. Like we we tried several different people, you know, as members, as we both could. And, um, you know, just trying different things. So, you know, God's will, we came across the right people with the right chemistry and we were able to, you know, get an opportunity to record music and to perform again. Yeah. So since then, um, you know, pre-pandemic, I, I've noticed that you guys have been doing a few tours. I think I saw something you did in, in um, was it San, um, San Bernardino? Oh, no, San Bernardino, in Sacramento. Sacramento, yes, mm-hmm. So what's it, what, what's, what's High Five up to now? Because I've said, oh. I saw a few concerts on, on IG, but... Yeah, so that's pretty much the focus now is to just do shows, really. I think, you know, that's definitely one way to get direct profit from it. Um, we did, we, we recorded an EP uh, some years ago, and, you know, the songs were good. Didn't really do great um, as far as sales. I think the, um, you know, the current R&B scene is really shaky and unstable, right? You know, so it just didn't benefit us to really release new and we have been recording, you know, we just, we haven't come up with the right plan and approach to release anything new. So we just kind of focus on doing shows, um, anything like the 90s throwbacks, you know, yeah, is really working in our favor. So <clears throat> we just focus on having a good show and, and letting the fans hear the music and, you know, share the good memories from those songs. Yeah. Now, a lot of questions that my audience will ask is, have you guys ever considered re-recording your biggest hits just so you own the masters of that and, and just update it a little bit? Right. Now, that has been a discussion. I, um, 
me personally, you know, some some classics just shouldn't be touched. And, and I, I'm just not in that space right now. I don't know if anyone is going to do it like Tony did it, you know. Now, for the benefit of us owning the masters, it's a great idea. But I don't know if it would be a great idea for us to redo it, thinking it would be a better situation or, you know, make the song just as great. So I don't know, you know, and that's just a personal opinion of mine. Some songs kind of lose, you know, their relevance when you start to try to redo it and it's not the same. Yeah. But, but anything is possible, you know, not to cut you off, anything is possible. Yeah. Just right now, I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because what happens sometimes we see bands say we're going to come up with uh, a remake of different classics and they'll do an album of Stevie Wonder hits or or an album of Boys to Men hits and stuff. And I'm like, that's great. Why don't you do an album of your own hits? Right, Maybe do exactly. the kiss acoustic, you know, get someone to piano singing, you know, she's playing hard to get, but doing a jazzy version of it. Right. Of Christmas, you know, so I'm thinking, it, 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 because then we, we, we remember those songs, but we're hearing it differently. So you're not right. re-recording it and producing it just like it was. So you're not using the old tracks. But you're doing a more mature version of the songs you recorded, so it's 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 not taken away from the classic, you know, the the original, but it's an interpretation with you guys, forty years later, in a different space. Right. And like I say, I, you know, I'm open for that, and, and that could be very well a possibility and a way to approach it. So you know, we we have had different ideas, you know, over the years since then, and. I, you know, like I said, I think now our focus is just really trying to get the shows and, you know, to be able to profit it and keep the shit selling because, you know, record sales right now yeah, not really the strength for a lot of 90s artists, you know. Yeah. But, um, I mean, like I say, you know, you never know what next year may bring for us. I mean, especially with the pandemic and things of that nature, we may have to take a different approach. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage now? Because if you live in Texas and the, the shows come up, how, how do you guys rehearse and prepare to put on the shows? Well, you know, the best way we do it is we try to do as much as we can individually. Now, there is one other member here in Waco with me. Okay. And the other three guys, well, two are in New York, New Jersey, and one's in Virginia. So uh, it's, it was easier for us to travel to New York and everybody's there and we would rehearse. So... Typically, you know, when we are changing the show or doing something new, we'll try to get together a week or so in advance, you know, and, and prepare. But um, for the most part, we just all travel from different places, you know, go there, try to get there a day or two in advance, you know, get ready and do the show, and that's how it's working for us. Okay. And are, are you getting a lot of calls to, to do shows as high five? People thinking, yeah, we need to get you guys back in a bit. Um, you know, I... We do well. I, I mean, definitely, I, I feel like we could all, we should be getting more, you know, and I, I do know that some people, you know, are still kind of hesitant because, you know, without Tony, they, they see it differently, you know, but um, things have, have definitely progressed for us. Um, I think 2017 was a really great year for us. We did a, a Back to the 80s tour. And um, the turnout was great. And ever since then, the momentum has kind of been in our favor. So, okay. you know, we, we try to do, you know, at least five or six shows every six months, you know. And, and if we can, we'd like to book two 
a month. It doesn't always go that way, but um, yeah. we, we stay kind of consistent, you know, just in the people in the public eye. And some promoters have, you know, trusted us to come back and bring us on. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, as I said, it, what would always help is the more videos and social media clips that we have with you guys gives puts us puts you back in the, the audience perspective. Like, yeah, we haven't heard from High Five in a while. Um, as I said, <clears throat> not necessarily new music, but the songs that really inspire us. People like to see them and hear them again, like Jodeci. You know, people want to hear their classics. They, you know, they if they came out with a new album now, <clears throat> not everyone's going to rush and buy it because the the generation who who watch my show are mainly in their mid forties, um, and they just love the old stuff. I want to keep hearing the old stuff, and unless the new stuff is very similar to the old stuff, it's kind of hard. And our buying habits are different too. I mean, I don't know if I even know where to buy a CD and where to play it. <laughs> so, you know, nope. it's like, you know, and most of us don't really stream on Spotify and stuff. You know, you, it, so it's quite different where we consume music now. It's, that's why we like to listen to it live. So it will be interesting, as I said, um, yeah, if you, if you guys did more um, clips of yourself singing some of the old tracks, um, and um, yeah, I would, I, as I said, it's an idea I always hope people would do. Too. I know Boyz II Men did it. They re-recorded some of their own classics. So at least not just about owning the masters, but it was giving it a different interpretation of some of the songs uh, and stuff. So yeah, it, it's, be, it's something, it'll be interesting to see how next year is and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, you know, in a nutshell, it's it's been... And interesting journey you know and i i'm pleased where i am today in my life you know and i'm I'm proud to you know speak about my success and you know the the things that my life has developed into you know so um proud to say that you know i'm I'm a current high five member and i'm still promoting the music and i'm keeping tony's name alive you know roger's name alive and all the members who were there, you know, I hope that they can, you know, appreciate the fact that we're still, you know, keeping the name alive and allowing the fans to just experience those precious memories from the music that we put out. Yeah, definitely. And so it's definitely was it's definitely been really great hearing your your story and 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 and, and your, your your journey. One of the things I always do when I do acts, uh, doing interviews, I always ask um, if you were stuck on an elevator and they said, look, it may be an hour or two before we get you up, but we can play a movie for you while you wait. What movie would you request? <laughs> wow. Wow. Interesting. Um, I mean, I, you know, at the moment, I've been watching Godfather. That's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I, I try to watch it once once or twice a year, you know, just go through all the episodes, all the series, but that is one of my favorite movies, and I've been on it, so right now, I would say Godfather. Godfather, okay. So they're about to put on Godfather for you, but they said, look, it'll take um, five minutes, we'll play a track, a song. What song do you request? (laughs) Wow. Stuck in an elevator. Um, I may want something more up-tempo. I don't even know. It's, ah, man. 
quite interesting. I would say, um, let's play some Dougie Fred, the show. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because what happens, a lot of people just go fall back to one of their favorite tracks, you know, like, yep, this is my must play track and stuff. But um, yeah, and I think the elevator is more so just a sense of if you had, I didn't want to say if you had a lot, if this was your last day on earth, what song would you play? But it's like, right, right, no, so, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, that's why I was thinking, play something up tempo that, you know, kind of keeps your spirit, you know, high. Yeah. Um, close to something slow and, and kind of depressing, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but you mentioned about the state of R&B now. What, what are your thoughts, you know, as an R&B artist? about the way R&B is now and as are you listening to anyone new? Wow. Um, it's, I, you know, to be honest, I, I'm stuck on 90s. You know, I just kind of stay in my era. Um, you know, now, I, you know, I listen to like Chris Brown. I don't know if you consider that new, but um, anything that's really current, uh, sad to say, like, if I hear it, you know, I may know it, but I'm not necessarily familiar with any of these new artists and I guess from my perspective R&B is you know it's almost not here anymore you know you don't necessarily hear or at least the R&B that we're used to you know or what we consider because you know nowadays everything is about money and you know women and not necessarily about the emotions that come with relationships so um yeah, the state of R&B is really, really low right now. So my station stays on 90s playlist. <laughs> <laughs> but how does an art so how does artists make money now, especially from your generation? What's the, is it? Well, it's, it's streaming. Like, obviously, our, our music is still streaming. You know, the fans still listen to it. And, um, you know, anytime you have a number one show, you know, radio show, um, definitely um, podcasts and things of that nature. So you you get streaming revenues from it being played. And um, that's one good thing. I like it now. It's direct. You don't have to go through anybody. So you just set it up and, you know, you find out and you get, you get your money from it. So, I mean, times have definitely changed for sure. And, and the independence of it is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would hope to hear um, quality time and kissing game and just can't handle it and and, and, and a 2022 version with uh, with the five of you guys just because it's what it does it, it means that you you're taking not ownership as in just the masters but you you you're, you're almost reestablishing that this is us and we're not gonna we're not doing Tony's voice we're doing it in a different interpretation and as I said, there's something sentimental about a group saying we've moved, we're, we've matured and we're singing the same songs in a in a more mature way. Um, wow. yeah, I just can't handle that. Can you imagine if somebody's playing it on a piano and, and you have maybe Mr. Talkbox doing his little thing at the back and it's just a little bit different, you know, um, because it's, it's, as I said, it's, 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 it's bringing the old with the new, because some of the, the R&B songs that do well now, they sample 90s stuff. Mm-hmm. Even Bruno Mars was going back to the 90s and, and when he came out with his mm-hmm. big album. So there is a call for it. But that's what I'm saying. If if you were to reinvent 
those songs not to, to take away what Tony did, but to say this is us, how we are now, singing it. Because you, you're not going to be doing the backflips and dancing the same way you just can't handle it. But you're singing it in a very different way and have a different interpretation. So as I said, I just hope you guys would, would do something like that and and, and 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 that would be your playlist would be very much your songs and it's I think it's a, Jive can't say anything about that. <laughs> so right. well, I, you know I will definitely take that in consideration. I appreciate you saying that because maybe we can build on that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 so the fans then remember. Oh yeah, I remember that. And, and you know, as I said, I just I just believe it's 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 how you really reconnect with us who haven't seen you guys in, in, in a while and how we, you know, we don't start to say, oh, there's no Tony, so what's the point? And I think mm-hmm. that's when you have such a very influential lead singer like Tony, it's quite easy to say, oh, no, Tony, no, no point. Yeah. But when you are re-recording in your own style with the vocals that you guys have now, we, re- we connect to the song and we connect with you guys and we're able to say yes, yeah, we, we, we can take this. So that's that was just that was just my <laughs> ten cents. No, no, I, I appreciate that. You know, like I'm hearing you, and maybe I will sleep on it and see how we can come about and approach that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I do appreciate you know the time. I know that you guys have been you know the first time we connected you, you guys had the the floods out in um, uh, the snowstorm and stuff out mm-hmm. in Allen, Texas, and 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 things like that, but it's been really great to to hear your story. I know a lot of people um, would definitely be interested in the scene. You know, as I said, we didn't want to focus so much on how the group, but it's always about the, your individual journey and um, how you've made it through. And if you were to give an advice to any up and coming artist now, what would be your final word of advice for anyone that's trying to get into the industry? Uh... Learn as much as you can, you know, and uh, like you said, you want to be able to own and control your music because that is the most productive way to approach it. So you want, you know, and if you can write or produce at any point, take advantage of it, you know, and and be yourself. Don't let the music control you. You control it. Mm -hmm. Good advice. So with that, I definitely appreciate it. It is around well, quarter past 11 at night here so <laughs> oh, yeah. but it's it's yeah yeah but i definitely appreciate the, the, the time um I, I would think that probably in in a couple of weeks yeah i'll get the editing done and 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 start to start to push it out and and stuff both mainly on youtube but um both, both on ig and hopefully are you, do you guys have any shows coming up uh between now and the oh, end of the year. Yeah, yes, uh, we have, I think we'll be in San Bernardino on October 2nd. Uh, then we'll be back in California in, uh, uh, it's not Sacramento, it's it's another one. I can't think of the name of it. There's <laughs> two, of them, two of them in October in California. I think, uh, I'm sure one of them is with Troop, as a matter of fact, it's us and Troop. I think it's October 24th. Um, God, I can't think of anything. That's <laughs> right. But um, so yeah, we have. I think we have some already booked for 2022. So we're okay. looking forward to that as well, and we're hoping maybe the holidays will pick up for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. hopefully, as I said, we um, 
you know, one of the things I know that um, by doing, but well, by one of, I mean, as John John, by doing, when I put out his um, interview two weeks ago, and people were really able to reconnect with truth because it's quite easy to to remember and forget. And once you have, um, you know, our channel has, as I said, a very strong '90s fan core, and by hearing and seeing and connecting, it does have a way of re resonating with people, just to to be in, eager to see you guys live. So that's one of the hopes. So before, um, yeah, before, yeah, before September, uh, for October, I'll, I'll put this out and, and almost use it as a small marketing tool for for you guys hey. as well. Well, let's, you know, let's work together and help each other. And I, I would love for something to come from it, you know, and maybe someone else will want to hear more of the story, or, you know, from one of yours. But thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, I, I appreciate you making the time. And uh, as I said, it's, um, I, I, I don't know, if, what, what did you have an expectation when? Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to be honest, I don't. I mean, I guess like, you know, I am probably the one who can share the stories from the beginning, you know, to parents. So I just kind of prepare myself for, you know, hey, I'm going to share my truth and, and that's it. But um, I, I'm well pleased. I am well pleased. You <laughs> asked great questions and you conducted the interview well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always about the person and, and the show it must, must be the music is through the ups and downs, how did... You know, the music must have kept you as that was the core. You wanted to play sports, but you got a chance through an injury to, to take on music. Through the ups and downs, you're still in the music. And so that's the hand thing is how important the music is. I'm not the fame and not the money, right. but it's the music. Right. And so that's the core. So hearing your life story in, and your high five is part of that, but not all of it. It's what the audience connects with. They want to know the person behind the music, and and that's why we, we you know focus on you. Because if I, if I had the five of you there, it would be very much high five today. But it it doesn't touch on the, the journey that 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 you've made and the sacrifices and and the challenges. I had Tabitha Duncan from Cut Close, and she said when they lost their record, she had to get a job as a babysitter, and how mm. challenging it was to have a hit record and now to be a babysitter and mm -hmm. you know yeah. buddy wings wink from intro he, he went and became a new and nypd yeah police officer yeah we get a chance to cross paths as a matter of fact we cut close and intro were just at the last show we were we, we were performing at so okay yeah yeah so and i mean those are great stories to hear and we're all able to still be on the stage together, so. Well, as fans, it, it was a shock to us, like, what? Because mm -hmm. this, the assumption is you have a hit record, you're making all this money, and you're you're sitting back, you know, pandemic or no pandemic, you just got this big cash flow coming in, and we didn't realize about the contracts and the business, and Don Robinson from Invoke saying they only got two cents a record per girl, and so, yeah, so it's, it's, so it's been sad, to hear the stories but the whole idea is like well you've now moved on and this is where you are but that's been the, the thing that has surprised all of us it's been hard to hear because we only heard the TLC and the new edition stuff but we didn't realize how widespread it has been for all of you guys right, um, right. yeah, yeah.
So, I mean, you know, thankfully, man, we, we still have an opportunity. But, you know, I, I will say this, like, just to appreciate those stories, you know, because we all have a different path and, you know, to be able to be mentally and physically healthy and able to still tell your story and move forward, you know, is the joy and living life because some people don't know how to get through those moments, right? Yeah. And and, and we, we, we don't want to wait until somebody passes away, then we celebrate, oh, remember this group and stuff. So right. that's why right. it's one of the things I'm hoping that the more people we talk to now, we can celebrate and appreciate and and, and support you guys and tour and concerts and, and, and really reminisce and stuff. So, but I appreciate the time, appreciate the and stuff. Well, and when it goes you. out, I'll give you a let, I'll let you know. Please do. Well, just keep me updated, man. I would love to see how it comes out, all right? Definitely so. Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.